Do me a favor and just mute the overall everything. So, tonight uh, we are starting a new series, and we're going to be looking at the ministry of Jesus. And really, we're just asking the question, who is Jesus? What did Jesus come to do? What was his mission? And so, we're going to be walking verse by verse, pretty much, through the Gospel of Matthew, trying to get through about one chapter a week, uh, or one section of a chapter a week in the Gospel of Matthew. And so we're starting out tonight, if you're following along, in Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry right at the very start. So starting out in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, the Word of God says this, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven, were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. First point tonight is that the hype is real. John is a hype man, okay? We're going to talk about what that means exactly. When I worked at summer camp, especially by the last week, I was just, I was just done. I was exhausted. I didn't really want to be there anymore. I was just completely tired. Some people that work at summer camps are just like energizer bunnies. They just, they never stopped going. And I don't understand how they do it, but they're just on another level. But I wasn't completely like that. I was really tired, especially the last week. And I remember... Kids were, everyone was like kind of rolling up in buses or starting to, and I was just passed out like on the grass in the middle of the field. And the guy on the microphone that was like welcoming people was like, there's Jared over there. He's our hype man. Well, I was just, I was just done. I felt dead because I didn't have the energy. But John the Baptist is one of those people that I think he reminds me a little bit of an energizer bunny. John the Baptist is a hype man. John the Baptist, his purpose in life, the entire point of his ministry and his life was to hype up Jesus. He was Jesus' hype man. He, he was the one, the main prophet, the guy that his whole ministry was based around promoting what Jesus was about to do. He wasn't trying to elevate his own ministry. He was trying to point people to the ministry of Jesus. That's why he's saying, uh, John is this voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John the Baptist was kind of crazy. He wore camel clothes, right? It said coarse camel's hair. That doesn't sound comfortable, right? Doesn't. It could, I mean, based on the way fashion's going these days, that could be in style within the next few years. Who knows? But I don't think it was in style back then. So he's wearing this weird looking like camel outfit, right? Every day's hump day for John the Baptist. I don't know. So he's, he's dressed like a camel. He's eating bugs and honey. So this is just kind of a weird dude, right? Weird, crazy, energetic dude. But he was so passionate that people went out to the middle of nowhere where he was to listen to this crazy hype man. That's what he was doing. Passion can create attraction, right? Do you have stuff in your life that you get hyped about? Or maybe if you listen to a friend or a family member and they're really excited about the latest show that they're watching or a new game that they're playing or whatever it may be, a new sport that they're into or a sports team, 
they can get hyped about that, right? And it's fun to listen to people talk about things they're passionate about. And John the Baptist was so passionate about the ministry of Jesus that people traveled from the city out to the middle of nowhere to listen to this dude that ate bugs and wore camel clothes. So people were attracted to the passion of John the Baptist because he was just hyped up about what Jesus was about to do. Do you get hyped up about what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in the lives of others around you? You may not be an Energizer Bunny like John the Baptist, but sometimes we should get hyped up, right? We should get hyped up for what God wants to do in our lives because God wants to do good things. And people around us, they crave passion. People crave just being able to listen to someone talk about something they're passionate about because it makes them think, man, maybe I can be that passionate about something as well. And so John the Baptist and his passion, his hype rubbed off on other people. People want something to be excited about. And as Christians, we have the greatest news. We have the greatest thing to be excited about that we can have a relationship with God and go to heaven when we die. For so long, people were longing for a Messiah. But now, finally, is somebody, somebody's preaching this good news to them that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is here. And they're being baptized. It says there that people from Jerusalem, Judea, all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. That word in the Greek for baptism is baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Baptizo. Let's try again. Everybody say baptizo. Baptizo. Wake up a little bit. I get more hyped, like John the Baptist. So baptizo, something interesting about that word that I learned is Baptizo is not just baptism. It's actually a word that sometimes was used to describe death or drowning or shipwreck. Immersion is really what the word baptizo means. And some of those different words that I just said kind of describes what's happening or what's being represented there in baptism. It says that people would come to John the Baptist, they would confess their sins, and then they would be baptized. And so they were confessing their sins things in their life that they wanted to die to. Things to their life that they just wanted to be wrecked on the shores. Things that they wanted to leave behind them. They confessed these things to say, I want to repent and turn away. I want to turn to God. And as a representation of that, John the Baptist was baptizing them. But John's baptism was actually pointing forward to something greater. His baptism was pointing forward to something that Jesus would do. It says here in uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, and he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but the burning chaff with never-ending fire. The next point is that John's baptism pointed forward to a greater baptism. It was an image. It was a, it was a symbolic thing pointing forward to something that Jesus was going to do. He said, someone greater than me is coming. Remember, John is the hype man. John's not trying to hype up himself, right? John's trying to hype up Jesus. He says, you think this is crazy? All these people coming out from cities to the middle of nowhere to hear me, this crazy hype man? You have no idea what's coming. Someone who is greater than even me. Someone whose sandal I'm not even worthy to carry. 
He's coming, and he's not going to just baptize you and dunk you in water like I am. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God himself is going to be in your life in a way he never has before. I love watching, like, Marvel movies, okay? I'm sure a lot of you guys do. i got to be honest, though. Like, the latest Marvel movies have just not been the same. Does anybody agree with me here? Like, okay, who agrees? Like, it just hasn't been as good lately. So, like, the, the, the first ones, you know, everything from, like, Iron Man up to, like, Endgame is pretty good. I got to be honest with you, Spider-Man was good, so I can throw Spider-Man in there, too. But the other ones, like, Eternals, like, the new Thor movie, like, just kind of... That's my opinion. Doctor Strange, Multiverse Madness was a flop, dude. How are you gonna How are you gonna kill Professor X in like two minutes? How's that gonna happen? Like, how are you gonna take out Mister Fantastic? Like, I, don't, I ain't gonna go there. But anyways, something something I appreciate about Marvel movies is they like to lay Easter eggs, right? Easter eggs are just like you're on an Easter egg hunt. They hide things, so they try to hide things in their movies that give clues to movies that are coming up, right? And that's kind of one of the main reasons why you stick around at the end is to see like what's what's like the the extra scene that they put in there that's going to point forward to the next movie coming up. They're foreshadowing something. John's baptism was giving us an Easter egg into something that Jesus was going to do. He's really pointing forward, giving a little sneak peek of the ministry of Jesus. He's giving them an image of like, this is an awesome thing that I'm doing right now, baptizing people with water, but wait till you see how awesome Jesus is going to be. So him baptizing people with water, pointing forward to what Jesus would do. So what did Jesus do? He said, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So what happens when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it washes you clean, it washes your heart clean. The old self is dead. You're a new creation. And you are immersed in the life-changing grace of God by the Spirit of God. And sometimes it's like this refining fire where if you want to purify a metal, you hold it up to the fire, right? Well, the Holy Spirit holds us up to the fire sometimes, right? Can I get an amen for somebody? Amen. It does, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit holds us up to the fire and refines us and makes us pure and makes us whole. So John said... This, this dunking in water that I'm doing right now, that's great. But Jesus is going to make you whole and make you new in a way that I cannot. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Then Jesus went out from Galilee to the Jordan River. So we're, trans, we're, uh, we're switching scenes here. So talked about the ministry of John. Now we're seeing now Jesus has an interaction with John. So Jesus went out from Galilee to the, Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Baptism represents what Jesus did to make me right with God. That's the next thing we're talking about. It represents what Jesus did to make me right with God. You guys ever read the Bible and you're just kind of like, you're chilling and you're like reading. It's like, the Lord's my shepherd. Okay, that's cool. I'm cool with that. And then like maybe you read a chapter or a verse and you're just like, what? Is that, am I the only one? Does that happen to anybody? Okay, it happens to me. It happened to me on this verse. Because I'm reading this verse and I'm like, why in the world would Jesus want to get baptized? I know he says it's for all God requires, but what does that even mean? And John the Baptist, it makes me feel a little bit better that John the Baptist, this awesome prophet guy, he felt the same way too. 
Jesus tells John something, just like maybe you're reading your Bible, God's trying to tell you something, you don't understand what it what God's saying at all, that's okay. Like the greatest, one of the greatest prophets ever, John the Baptist, same problem, okay? So John the Baptist is like, Jesus, what you got this wrong, Jesus. Why are you coming to me to be baptized? You should be baptizing me. This makes no sense. The reason why it makes no sense is because people were going to John the Baptist, confessing their sins. And being baptized as a symbol of like, yes, I'm dying to these sins. But John knew that Jesus was sinless. So he's like, Jesus, like, you don't have sin. Why are you trying to be baptized by me? Why are you trying to do something that sinners are supposed to do? Why are you putting yourself in the place of sinners, Jesus? John was confused. I was confused reading this. So... Jesus said, here's the reason why I'm getting baptized. And we can go back to that verse real quick. He said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John's saying, Jesus, why are you doing something that sinners are supposed to do? You're not a sinner. The whole reason why Jesus came, Jesus came here to do what sinners were supposed to do. Jesus came here to live a perfect life. Jesus came here to represent us, to die on the cross for our sins because of his perfect life. Sinners are supposed to do, all of us are supposed to do what God requires, right? Jesus says we must do all that God requires. But the problem is we didn't do all that God requires, right? We fall short. We sin. And that sin, it separates us. It makes us far from God. So we could not do all that God required of us. So Jesus came to do all that God required of us on our behalf. Jesus came to be the you that you couldn't be. Jesus came to be the you that never fell from God and he lived that perfect life and died on a cross, the perfect sacrifice for your sins. Just like our, our camp speaker said this summer, is that it's not that Jesus just died for us. Jesus didn't just die for you on the cross. Jesus died as you. In your place. He died in the place of sinners, right? So he was, we call it, the fancy word for that is substitutionary atonement. Really, it's just like if you got a substitute teacher, right? The substitute teacher replaces the real teacher. Well, guess what? Jesus was the substitute for us on the cross. He took our place instead. So when we get baptized, what we're doing is we're identifying ourselves with Jesus and what he did for us. We're standing in the water. And, and it kind of makes a little bit of a cross here. And, and we identify by saying, like, yes, I've committed my life to following Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. And so we say, okay, you're buried with Christ in baptism. He died and was buried for you. And you're raised to walk in a newness of life. So Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave for you. And so when you are baptized, you're showing, you're identifying yourself with, yes, Jesus did this for me. This is a promise for God that I have claimed in my own life, in my own heart. So Jesus came to show what he came... Sorry, I lost myself there. Jesus, we are baptized to identify ourselves with Jesus, but Jesus was baptized to identify himself with you. Jesus was baptized to show that he is taking your place as a sinner, that he is taking your place to die and defeat death for you, to do all that God requires of you, for you. So Jesus was baptized to identify 
himself with you. To show that he did what God required of you, even though you couldn't do it yourself. In talking about baptism, there's two really common misconceptions about baptism I wanted to hit just really quick. I forgot to make a slide for it, but it's okay. The first one is baptism saves me. Baptism saves me. This is a common misconception about baptism. When Jesus was on the cross, there was, this, there was these criminals next to him. And they were kind of like jeering at him. They're like making fun of Jesus and saying, well, you can take yourself down from the cross and all these different things. But eventually, one of these guys next to Jesus and the cross next to him had a change of heart. And he realized who Jesus really was. And he, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded to him, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say to him, okay, hold up real quick. Like, I got to get you baptized. So, like, let's, um, can, can I get a hammer? Can we get a little, one of these things, right? And then, like, let's jump off the cross. Let's go dunk him in the nearby lake. And then I'll get, get back up and die for the sins of the world. No, that's not what happened, right? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise because he, the baptism that happened for him didn't need to happen in water. He gave his heart to God. He was cleaned in his heart, right? So baptism is an outward expression of that inward decision, of that inward faith. Water can clean you up on the outside, but it can't clean your heart, right? Only the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, can clean and purify your heart, make you a new creation. The second misconception about baptism, this is a big one. If you've been zoning out, pay attention, okay? I need to be a better Christian before I get baptized. Look, if I'm saying... I need to be a better Christian before I get baptized. That's making baptism about me and what I'm doing. But baptism isn't about what I did. Baptism is about what Jesus did for me. Baptism is about Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. That's what that's showing. It's not about me and what I do and being a better Christian. It's showing Jesus did this for me. It's showing I failed being a better Christian. I failed being perfect. I failed being in doing all that God required of me, but Jesus succeeded on my behalf. Jesus did this for me. It's saying, I'm not perfect, but look at what Jesus did for me. And it's a proclamation, Jesus changed my life. So there's two common misconceptions. Baptism saves me, and I need to be a better Christian before I get baptized. So like, if that has been in your brain at all, hit the delete button, okay? Hit the delete button on that. It's just not true. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who pleases me. Next point tonight is that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a really cool scene that we, we see happen here. So Jesus, he's coming out of the water. The Bible says the heavens are opened. The Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, descending like a dove is kind of this uh, illustration that it gives us. And you hear the Father's booming voice from heaven. I don't know if it sounds like Morgan Freeman or not, but it's coming from heaven. And God's saying, this is my dearly loved Son, with whom I am, I am well pleased. So we see God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit in this beautiful scene affirming the ministry of Jesus that's about to take place. Every four years when a president gets elected, they have the inauguration, right? So they go to Washington, D.C., and they, they put their hand on the Bible, and they, they say stuff, and they promise to, like, not destroy the country as best they can. That's pretty much how it goes. And then they, that's their inauguration. And the whole nation 
watches this. And it, and it affirms like, yeah, now they're the president. Their presidency is beginning. Jesus, when Jesus got baptized, that didn't make him any more the son of God than he was before he got baptized. But at his baptism, it is this sort of inauguration. It's this sort of affirmation of the ministry of Jesus is about to begin. God's mission is about to happen through his son. And this scene fulfills a prophecy that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. It says, look at my servant who I have strengthened. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. So this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before what we see happening right here in the Gospel of Matthew. It was a prophecy about the Messiah that came true in Jesus. So God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are affirming Jesus being the Son of God, the one that all the prophets from Moses to John the Baptist have been pointing forward to. So the Trinity is affirming what Jesus came to do. And it says the heavens opened up. So these are some of the, so we see some of the things that Jesus came to do right here in this scene. The Bible says the heavens open. Guess what happens if you don't have Jesus in your life? Shut door, right? Jesus opens the heavens to us. Jesus opens that gate for us to be able to go into heaven. That's why he said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus opens heaven to us. It says the Holy Spirit descends down. The Bible says we just read, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, right? The Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So the Father is claiming Jesus, showing everyone like, yes, this is my Son. This is God incarnate, God in the flesh. You want to know what God is like? God is saying, hey, look at, look at Him. You want to know what I'm like? Look at Jesus. So baptism... Circling back to kind of what we're talking about generally is baptism. It's showing what Jesus, the Son of God, came to do for you, for you specifically. Jesus came to identify himself. Jesus came to be you. He identified himself with you. He's perfect. He's God. But God stepped down from heaven to humble himself because God loved you so much. God didn't want that separation to be between you and him. God made a way. Jesus is fully man, fully God. And so we are man, God is God. Jesus, fully man, fully God, the Son of God, is the bridge between us and God. Amen. So that's what Jesus came to do for us. He identified himself with us. But here's my question for you. Have you identified yourself with him? Jesus came down to be you, but he wants to save you and change your life so you can be like him so you can be everything that you were created to be have you trusted him for your salvation you can do that let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for what you taught us through your word tonight god and god i pray that you would give us the hype even we don't we don't feel like it god that you would give us hype like john the baptist to be on fire for the gospel to be on fire for for jesus and what he's done and what he's doing in our lives and the lives of those around us god Lord, I pray that as we look at baptism and just what it represents, God, that we would trust that you came to identify yourself with us so we can identify ourselves with you once again. So we can return to you, we can be reconciled to you, and we can have a relationship with you again through your son. And God, we thank you and praise you for that. And I pray if anyone's been thinking about baptism here tonight, God, that you would just 
show them a lot. They don't have to be a, a better Christian. Baptism doesn't save them, God. But all they need to do is trust in you and show everyone they're unashamed of the gospel of Christ. They're unashamed of what you have done in their life. And that's really what baptism is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, quick announcement.